Ladies and gentlemen, this is John Binkowski. And uh, you're in Florida, John? Yep, 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 in, in a little town called Celebration, Florida, which is the little town Disney built when they tried to experiment doing that mid-90s. Oh. I've been here for a long time. We were one of the first 10 families to move into this place, and everybody in the theme park industry gave me all sorts of crap because they're like, you're selling out to the mouse, you're selling out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm still here, still here. So, anyway. Well, it looks pretty awesome. I mean, it looks like a nice, nice house. Is it what we would expect from Disney? Uh, it, it, Design-wise, yes, but a lot of people were disappointed because they thought it was going to be a gated community, and they thought it was going to be, you know, um, the kind of Stepford Wives, you know, robot wives. <laughs> but it's not. It's a, uh, it's Osceola Sheriff and uh, the, the County Sheriff, and it's just, uh, it's just a regular community. One thing Disney put into it, as you know, uh, is design style. They brought in much bigger plants than you normally would do. They brought you know, architects did some wonderful stuff. So it was really, really nice, making it a little bit more expensive across the board. Uh, but luckily for the Binkowskis, uh, we bought the cottage, and they had this concept that you would put the little cottage homes by the big giant estate homes. And so we drove the value of the estate homes down what? while they drove our value <laughs> up. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So as you, as you people, anybody home listening and watching, uh, you probably figured out that John is in the entertainment business and works with clients like Disney and Universal and probably many, many others all around the planet. You classify yourself as a creative? I would I would yeah, probably classify um, you that arm way. Waver, um, uh, we, we do uh, provide uh, producing services. We really only have three clients, really. We have Disney, Universal, and Chimlock. And that's it. Wow. Uh, we're a group. We, we, we turn away, uh, we're lucky to turn away a lot of work. Um, and uh, we really just kind of focus on those three. We, we think we like them because they are, I try to be creative. Uh, they try to do new things um, and they're not just copying what somebody else is doing. So that's why we, that's all we do. Now, the other thing we do in between theme park work is we do produce low budget feature film. Well, the reason we do it, well, it's, it's, it's a, you know, some of it is, is ego. Um, I didn't do the first one until I turned 50, by the way, for any younger viewers who go, oh, I want to be a director, you know, someday. And I'm like, I was running out of time, so I was like, I got to do my first one when I'm 50. Um, so it was a, it, it was an interesting challenge, but I love it and I hate it because um, you, uh, it never changes. It's control thing. Once you do it, it's in the can, it's done. Other than maybe the, the file being corrupt or something like that, nothing else changes. In the theme park, as you know, weather changes. Uh, the types of audiences, you know, and how loud or how soft they are change. Uh, performers get hurt or something goes wrong or somebody changes their line on this live show. It's crazy. So every once in a while I gotta do a movie, so I have control. Ah, uh, you get to have a cool. Well, it's also very taxing, though, I imagine, John. These days, doing movies, there's so many components and so many different... I was just talking to one of the other guests that I was talking to about it, and, and he also entered into the film game late in his years, 
And he, he was remorseful because he doesn't have the energy of a 30 year old anymore, you know, and it takes, although ladies and gentlemen, I I've seen John, I've known him for a couple of years now. Talk about a guy with energy. He always seems to be up and running and cranking and, and doing stuff. And, and there's always stuff firing off. In his brain. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more coffee. So, so maybe that's not a problem for you, but, but, I can understand it. I oh, want no. young in my career. I did some. I did some movie stuff, and there's just there's hundreds of people. There's thousands of people yeah, involved. That, in. That's the interesting thing. Like you know, uh, Bobby, you and I have worked on projects, and we've got the scenic company over here working on something. You've got the uh, audio people working on something over here. They're all kind of uh, you know, they're different uh, uh, silos, and then you know, kind of put it together. But in a movie, especially when you're shooting a live movie. You've got the art department there. You've got the sound department there. You've got the camera department there. You've got the actors there. Everyone's there at the same time, all going, "Okay, we ready? What do we do?" <laughs> so yep. it gets it gets intense. And when the first movie I did, um, I the first day was very exciting. You know, get up at five in the morning and shoot all day. And the second day was really exciting. The third day was like, I gotta get up at five in the morning. And then by the fourth or fifth day, I was done. I was going to die. I was going to die. Um, so you really kind of have to, you're right, being almost like in shape for being able to shoot a live film because it is, it's just a lot of stuff coming at you in a short period of time. Because you don't have, when you're in the indie film business, you don't have a lot of money to yeah. say, we're going to shoot this, we'll take six months to shoot it. No, we're doing it all in like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Give us the names of a couple of the of the features that you've done, and so if people want to well, look at them, they can find them. Yeah, the first one uh, we did was now it's ten years ago. My gosh, uh, we do one about every other year. Uh, the first one we did is called Scare Zone. It's a uh, like an eighties slasher movie. It's kind of a comedy. The reason I I was able to do that was. Universal Studios, because I'm in the theme park business, um, does a big Halloween horror nights. Huge Halloween program, just like Chimelong has a big Halloween program, and Disney now, everybody. And uh, they were showing off for a convention. So Halloween was over, and they, and they were going to do tours through their, um, and they build them on sound stages through their mazes, which are very elaborate, and spend a lot of money on Right. And they were going to pay 30 days for this convention to show up so that industry people could come and make tours of their place. So we were sitting, this beautiful uh, haunted house was sitting on a sound stage, doing nothing for 30 wow, days. Wow, so perfect like, opportunity, we, yeah. We back, we wrote based off that. So it was like, okay, well, what can we do? Uh, it'll be about a killer that nests inside of a haunted house and the patrons think it's, you know, fake, but it's actually really happening. People are like, it's great. So that was the first one. The second one, oh, maybe no money off the budget. <laughs> I had one-tenth the budget because my wife went, no, no. No. So <laughs> shot in my own house, and it's called The Visitant. That one Visitant. was successful and made money. Paranormal. It's called the visitant. A visitant is a. It's basically a visitor from the spirit world. Uh, and uh, the visitant did very well. It's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. Just look up the visitant. Um, and uh, it's on the. There's a, there's a channel called Kings of Horror, and it's consistently out of hundreds of movies. Please find your way home. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
I don't believe in ghosts. Ghosts don't care whether you believe in them or not. Awesome. It was popular. Uh, and it's, but it was real simple because paranormal, love it. It's a one lady in the house going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had to work really hard to make like salt shakers and stuff like yeah. that. So it was really affordable. <laughs> it was so successful that we actually, the last movie we just did and has not been released yet is called Revisitant, which is a continuation of the story. So. Wow. Um, characters which was uh, basically harkening back to my days uh, and Lisa my business partner's days working in the theme park industry I started as a costume character I was Wally the Walrus worked at SeaWorld wow. in San Diego my whole family worked there that's what we did I thought I recognized you from somewhere so <laughs> <laughs> I got the Wally wiggle okay you know? yeah, right. um, and we did a, a movie about a, a little dumpy little theme park and a guy who's trying to uh, he's actually trying to get into uh, CalArts. Um, he doesn't have any money because his parents have no money, so he decides to take a job. The only job he can get is at this dumpy little theme park. He gets caught up, and it's all about being a costume character. Yep, that's me. Introducing Hoppy! Um, that one got really good reviews, but uh, came out the exact same time that a, another movie called Mascots. Uh, oh. That was done by Christopher Guest, you know, uh, Best of Show and Mighty Moon and lots of funny, funny mockumentary video, uh, films to be good. Anyway, so he, he killed us because he's Christopher Guest and I'm just trying to count So. But it sounds, um, I gotta see that it's, one. It's fun. But our, our bread and butter is theme park business. I grew up in it. I, I started, you know, when I was 15 years old been in it so now for you know 45 years and um renaissance uh, in, in one form or another has been around for 31 years and um i've made some fantastic um probably greatest in the uh, uh in, in the in business of theme parks um most monumental failures of all time i've been deeply involved in, so Because one day I kind of woke up and, and I and I I look I was looking at my life and and more recently with all of our our free time that we've all had at home and kind of you know sequestered and stuff and and I thought wow you know I I I need to be doing something interesting with my life and then I looked and said you know I've got a pretty interesting life and I 
I know all these really killer, amazing people, and I've never really spent much time with them. I never talked with them. I never, you know, because we're always working and we're doing our thing. And I thought, this this is great. We need we we were all sort of born on purpose, and we kind of found our purpose. I struggled a lot in my life trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. But what I wanted to do, and that's sort of the theme, is ask you, how did you know? What at what point in your life did you? I mean, did you just come out of the womb going, "I'm going to do showbiz," or was there some epiphonic moment, some epiphany, some realization of, "Man, this is this is where this is what John needs to be doing for the for the rest of his days." Started out, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a fireman, and um, and then as I got into middle school, I was really focused on I'm going to have a career. I'm going to do stand-up comedy, just like Steve Martin. Steve Martin was a huge influence on me. So I was like, I'm gonna do that, I'll be like Steve Martin. And so you have those kinds of things. But once I got out of high school, about around high school, and I was working for Shiro at the time, and in uh, college was was you know looming, I was thinking, you know, what am I interested in? And I found out it was panic actually that kind of set me on this course because I had absolutely no interest in anything, but I was interested in everything. So I found <laughs> I was I was interested in in, in, you know, I thought uh, music was really fascinating, but I also thought that, you know, uh, uh, surgery, surgery is really interesting, but I love space, space, where I, you know, and, but I wasn't good at any of that. I wasn't smart enough to be able to do a lot of those things. So what I kind of ended up doing was working, started with SeaWorld and SeaWorld started buying companies, uh, other theme parks. Uh, too, and um, I found out that all of a sudden I'm doing the show about you know what happens under the sea. I'm learning all about the sea, and then all of a sudden I, I got a job working on something for space, and I, I, I was interviewing you know Alan Shepard and John Glenn and things like that. I'm doing that, and then I was doing a show you know that was completely fantasy oriented. And then I was doing the show that was you know really violent, and then I was doing one that was happy, happy, very <laughs> kitty. So. That's kind of what I thought. Uh, I, I kind of had the epiphany probably at about 20 years old. I said, I'm good at nothing, but I'm good at everything. I mean, yeah. I, can, I can celebrate everything. So I got involved in all sorts of stuff. So on one hand, as you know, we're working on a happy, colorful, family-oriented show. On the other hand, I'm looking at doing a drama that is, uh, you know, PG-13 could be R-rated, you know, bad language, you know, uh, adult themes, and everything in between. It's like, I love it. It's great. That's, so, that's, so it didn't come as a, you know, bing, but by the time I was in starting college, I was like coming to the conclusion that, you know, this is, I think, what I'm kind of good at. And then I, I did leave college to take a full-time position with SeaWorld, and I kind of never looked back from there. I, I was uh, one of their youngest vice presidents at the time. So a long time ago, retired from SeaWorld, retired, got a gold watch. Wow. In 1989. Holy cow. So, 89 until now is the Renaissance. Uh, and then uh, also uh, held a position on a project that I had started with the Hard Rock Organization. Uh, which is one of my business values. So. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. What's what's your most memorable? What's your most 
and there's probably a bunch. I know that's a tough one, but what what would be yeah. the one that's sort of a uh, you know some sort of a summit that you reached that went that, that was cool? And then we'll talk about the nasty ones a little bit and what you may learn from them. Uh, well, <laughs> um, unfortunately, um, both are the same. Um, the summit that I reached was I had never been a chief creative officer for the development of an entire theme park until through a sequence of events. And there's, go ahead and you can just look it up on your Google, Hard Rock Park. Um, I was able to uh, find property, formulate uh, investors, uh, put a team together, uh, design and build an entire park that was beautiful. I mean, look, the same people that worked on High Rock Park worked on, uh, you know, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, so, you know, it didn't suck. Um, uh, but uh, we opened the park uh, to a great fanfare in 2008 when everything was tanking. And this was a park that was so highly leveraged uh, because we were, we were part of the bubble um, that it just could not handle its, you know, payments. And in the, the course of nine months, it had gone into bankruptcy. It is one of the biggest successes and one of the biggest failures of my career. Wow. It's, it's, it's a fascinating story. And actually, I did a, I finally crawled out from under my desk and did a whole presentation on it uh, to the uh, uh, the Themed Entertainment Association uh, when they were doing these case studies and things like that. Well, um, and, and it is a whole story into itself. But in that particular case, I got to, to work on everything, not just live shows, not just rides. Um, but restaurants, retail, where the bathrooms go, uh, how the parking, being able to, just working with uh, local government officials. I mean, everything. Go so open. now I sit in meetings and <laughs> with architects or whatever, and they go, you know, well, we're working on a, developing an entire land for the parking. You wouldn't understand that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because you're just a pro guy. <laughs> but I'm like, oh no, brother, I understand. Totally. Yeah. It's hard. It's yeah. hard. But it was so rewarding. But. We made the record books as being one of the big giant um, uh, victims of that 2008 financial crash. It was economic times. It was a poor marketing program, um, you know, 2020 hindsight. We, we, we thought build it and they will come. Um, we needed to, and, and we didn't have enough, like everybody says, um, enough uh, cash to be able to survive the tough times. If we could have had enough to you know, survive year one, two, and then build back up, we wouldn't be looking back. There would be five hard rock parks now around the world. Um, and it, it was, it was, it was um, tons of fun. Got huge ratings from the audiences, did fantastic per caps. We just didn't do the attendance and didn't get paid to get it built. Where was it? Was it in Florida? It was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Myrtle Beach. Yeah. And then, so that was in 2008, obviously. Um, since then, the only good thing was um, when we premiered the park, uh, we had some of our friends from Universal and Disney show up. Um, and uh, they were, you know, uh, complimentary enough to basically uh, pick up the phone and call afterwards and say, hey, look, sorry about the, the park, but we are doing this thing. Would you like to help us, you know, with this? And so we got back into uh, building attractions or designing and conceiving attractions. Um, and that led to one of the uh, two biggest attractions that I've worked on, 
Uh, one is for Disney Shanghai, uh, which is the, uh, the, the stunt show there, which is called, it's got the longest name in the world. You know, um, it's uh, Eye of the Storm, Captain Jack Stunt Spectacular, um, which is a, a, you know, has a tornado uh, that uh, is on stage and has had well over 10,000 uh, performances already in the parks from four years old. just completed um, probably our biggest, most expensive attraction we ever worked on. It, it, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's big. Um, and it is another stunt show. It's called The Born of Stuntacular. Oh. It's previewing to audiences. And uh, they will open that uh, grand opening sometime early uh, July. Um, From? Or, you know, again. We got caught up in this good thing. We were going to open this thing up, uh, you know, beginning of April. And uh, next thing you know, everything's shutting down. Shutting down. Yeah. Well, so, this, the Jason Bourne sort of legacy thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, it's that. a Jason Bourne legacy. And it was another concept that I really wanted to do for many, many years. And, um, you know, one of the questions that you do, do ask is, you know, how things kind of change throughout the years and, you know, what, what improvements have I seen that? Definitely technology has been a great help in us realizing some of our concepts. I've had this concept for 20, 25 years. I pitched it to Universal 25 years ago. And what it is, is basically, it's, a, it's basically a simulator, uh, a human simulator. Um, it's, you've seen it on YouTube and things like that, uh, where uh, you've got a performer, a live performer dancing in front of the screen, and they, they interact with the screen, not while they're shooting off. It's all just projected on the screen. Well, back in the day, the only way you could do that was to project it. You just didn't have enough lumens, you didn't have everything. Now we have an LED, and, and uh, so part the of resolutions, the show is yeah. this gigantic LED screen that the live performers interact with, and it is so realistic looking that we can actually add performers. It's kind of like Mandalorian. Mandalorian's doing it from a um, from a filming standpoint. Where they've got this big LED screen, and they film everything, it looks, it looks real because they've got this giant LED screen. Well, we're doing the same thing that they're doing, that Mr. Favreau is doing, um, only with live performance. And so it's blowing people away because they've never seen anything like it. And it will be, you know, two, three years from now, lots of people are going to be it's just plain to me. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Well, it's the next step. It's definitely the next step. You know, I was worried at one point, my career being a theming guy and doing theme parks is how people, that got a little old, just the, the static theme kind of environment. I mean, we keep trying to, to reinvent it a little bit and kind of bring it together. And then we started adding this virtual reality thing and projections and stuff like that. But the whole VR thing is something that can happen, you know, and, and same thing happened to movies. Now people have these giant screens in their homes 
and they've got surround sounds in their homes and they've got VR equipment in their homes. Why would you go pay pay for a, a theme park ticket when you can sit down on your couch? You know, but now you, you guys have taken it to this whole next level where you're not going to have a 35 meter screen in your house. I mean, maybe, maybe if you're rich, but, but, um, <laughs> you know, and then a whole, a whole series of actors that are interacting with it. Um, sounds like the way to go. The, the, um, I really enjoyed like the Harry Potter thing when I went to a couple of years, I guess well, it was it, two years. This, um, and, and I encourage everybody to see it just, just for the fact that, um, Universal was brave enough to take the risk to do this. Um, it still incorporates a lot of the things that, you know, we've done. Uh, it has lots of scenery. There's lots of scenery that's part of this. And the scenery is actually on motion tracks. So the scenery comes in and tracks with the with the video. And the video is art directed to match up directly with the scenery so that when this Dubai tower, you know, comes rolling in, it's the city of Dubai is behind it and the rest of this tower is part of the screen. If people don't know what is yeah. you know, what's what's memorized. And so they, uh, <laughs> we have the, all the advantages of you know, the high falls and the sweating and the fighting and all of the things that you can never see in your computer. Um, but, yeah. but, but you can now change locations. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool. So it's not just, just the screen, it's not just the scenic, the movie scenery, it's not just the stunts, but it's the combination of all those things. And we love doing that. Uh, and, Hollywood loves doing it, and so does Broadway. They love doing it. Whenever we can mix media like that, it, it makes it so much more interesting and fun. So that's that's our latest, greatest thing that we uh, we've been uh, working on, and then uh, that's what's opening. And then there's there's of course things in the pipeline that we're excited about uh, that we can't talk about right, right. now. Well, but, when does the boring thing open up? When is that going to pre premiere? Uh, officially, I I didn't get an official date. Um, it's it's casting right now to audiences, so you, know, you go to the park and probably can see it. Um, but it's uh, officially, I think, they're trying to get it open before the Fourth of July, which would make sense. Sure. Um, but they would officially open Fourth of July. Now, we they're they're opening this uh, show up to yeah, the, the theater seats about seven hundred people, and they're doing about two hundred and fifty people at a time because of why? Because of yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right. But uh, which so we got to keep our distance, yeah. Which is cool. So so you're not in such a big crowd, but it's a it's a longer line, I suppose, to get in, which kind of doesn't make sense, you know. So you stand, yeah. So you stand in line next to each other, and then you go in the theater, and you're safe. So <laughs> that all makes sense. Here's a, of course, some things that we're doing for too uh, long that have never been done before. Uh, uh, with a new attraction, new attraction that they're opening up uh, the Reed Science Park, and we're looking forward to you know, unveiling those so that people can see them and go, "What the hell?" Well, I, I sent, I'll be sending you some photos of. Uh, I was out there on the site checking things out, and and you know as it's coming to fruition, and they're they're doing their colorations and stuff, and we're struggling a little bit. It's been a really weird year. I mean, I think everyone could, could kind of hold their hand up for that. What a what a odd odd year of this has been and it's already half over everyone's ready for 2020 to be gone yeah it's just like can we just push reset you know i think that's kind of what's happening but 
but uh, but we're you know we're back in full swing in terms of our production and and uh, things are happening. So I'm anxious to get get that stuff and I want to run it by you so you can see what's going on. And then the other trick is you, you, I'm sure you guys want to come here to uh, you know, but you can't yet. I don't think not without. Uh, I, I tell uh, my friends in Chilong, I say to them. Um, I have no problem with doing whatever the Chinese government wants me to do. If they want to, um, if they want me to fly in and put me, in, you know, in a uh, sequestered place for two weeks to quarantine before I go in, I'll be happy to do that. Doesn't matter where it is. Doesn't matter what food they give me. Just <laughs> get me away from my family. My yeah. God, I've been with them so long. <laughs> <laughs> you just I love gave yourself a little break. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have mixed emotions about that because my family is in Vietnam. They went, they went to Vietnam to celebrate the Chinese New Year, which they do the same as China does. And I went with them for about a week, you know, and saw the family and all that stuff. And then, oh, I got to get back to work. You know, we had things rustling, so I got on the plane. And when I got off the plane, they told me, "Oh, don't come to work." Right. Oh, that was December 27th or January 27th. I'm sorry, January 27th. So, so they're still in Vietnam. I haven't seen them now for six months. Oh, you know, for five to six months. So, uh, which is not good because. I feel so bad about bitching about my family now. Well, no, but you know, I mean, it, it, I, I would be in the same boat with you because now, now I have a young family. So my my daughter isn't quite two years old yet, and my son is five. You know, so. Um, imagine being in a house for three, four months with a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and and that's that, you know. So, you know, and I have to kudos to my wife because she's been doing that. But the the good thing is, is where she is in Vietnam, it's not it's not in a big, it's a rural kind of area, and there's lots of family. So they're just having normal life. It hasn't really infected them at all. So so which is a good thing. They haven't been like caught up into the into the whole kind of sequestered thing. So. I'm thankful for that. I'm, you know, happy. They're all healthy. Everything's good. Um, I hope everybody you know is healthy and happy, and and you haven't had any kind of uh, troubles with anything. We're very lucky. Yeah, we're we're, we're lucky. Everyone is, um, at least in my little universe, uh, is is taking it very seriously, and they all mask up and wash their hands, and um, so far so good. You know, knock on wood. Now I am in Florida, and Florida is one of the Hot spots that is uh, growing because uh, we, um, along with some other states, decided to open up a little early. So we're kind of struggling through that, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm hopeful that um, that international travel will 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 pick back up and, and we'll we'll get through this thing. And then you know, get back other, to business. It's yeah. not a fear, but my other prediction is, man, as soon as there's a vaccine, um, and uh, that is actually in use. Our our business is going to blow up. It's going to go crazy because everyone's so pent up. Yeah, they want something they're to do. Going to get hit hard. So I hope they're. I hope they. Chimelon, Disney, Universal, Six Flags, and all those guys are all kind of preparing themselves because it's going to be an onslaught once that happens. There's a lot of pent up demand. My boss is. He's taking advantage of the times. You know what I mean? Because things were shut down. 
So he went in and did a bunch of renovations and stuff. He's like, oh, good. You know, nobody's here. <clears throat> we don't have to worry about closing things down. Let's just get in there. So he's gone to, into some of the hotels and he's kind of re, you know, re, reinvented some things and, and, and cleaned things up and done some stuff. Smart guy, you know, so utilizing what he can. And then hopefully things will get back in the swing. We only opened one, one hotel in Zhuhai and one hotel in Guangzhou. Just out of the hotels, all the hotels, we just did one in each city. Um, but this, not this weekend, but the following weekend is Dragon Boat Festival thing. And it's booked. It's 100% booked. So uh, that's good. So the parks, the, you know, all the parks are opening and, and uh, it's kind of swinging back into normal. So I think that's, you know, for, to, to looking optimistically, I think that, that's where we're headed. So um, yep. that's, that's good. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And then, and then it, yeah, it's going to be crazy. So. Um, so we're cautiously, I mean, if you can weather the storm, you know, it, it brings me back to the hard rock park days. If you can just weather the storm, every, everything is going to get, you know, better. Yeah, it's unfortunate that that thing did what it did. Um, I would have liked to see that. Because, um, you know, uh, yeah, you, you know well, uh, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of video on it and things like that. It was, uh, uh, it was a great park. I mean, you know, how can you screw up rock and roll? I mean, rock and roll uh, has so many themes unto itself. Uh, and that it was easy to do a, it's easy to do a dark ride based off of the Moody Blues, Nights in White Satin. Sure. It's easy to do uh, a roller coaster based off of the Eagles, Flight in the Fast Lane. Easy to do a Led Zeppelin roller coaster. You know, it's, it, it, so it, it just kind of, it, it was a no-brainer. Do you think it'll ever get revived or did it just die a horrible, miserable death and it's gone forever? You know, I think it'll, uh, and someday some, some entrepreneur, somebody younger than me is going to uh, realize that uh, music is a great communicator and, and, and some version of that it may not be hard rock, it uh, may not be rock and roll, it may be, you know, some music overlay to uh, a, a park or, a, or an extension to a park is, a, is quite possible. So, um, so in, some, in some variation or another, it'll, it will, it, it will find its way again. The seed is still out there. Yeah, well, keep 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 rolling that around in your head. I'm sure you could probably come up with something cool because it, I mean, music is such a, uh, it is such an incredibly powerful part of our lives. And I think, I, I don't know if it's still true, but I'll bet you it's still true for all of the, you know, 15 to 25 year olds. As we grow up, there's a period of music that we all love because it's what we hear and it's what it's that growing time of our lives, and it's it, and it just becomes part of our DNA. It's part of our it's it, you know it becomes part of our soul, and you know because I turned Led Zeppelin on it and instantly take it back to that was like one of the first album records that I ever bought. You know, and I went home and you know when they used to have albums, and I put it on my stereo on my you know in my bedroom when I was a kid, and and you know it's like. Uh, you know, I, I can still get back to that sense and that feeling and that time just by listening to the music. And back in uh, 2006, when we sold this to investors, they um, and banks, um, it was when uh, you know Apple iTunes was introducing all of these uh, groups like Led Zeppelin and Beatles and everything to a whole generation of people. And, we, we were fascinated in the fact that um, my daughter, you know, who's 
eight years old is listening to some not the top thing of today, but also listening to Led Zepp. Wow. And they had access to all this stuff. And so it was really fascinating. We always strive to do something that's kind of not been done before, which is always dangerous territory, but uh, we, but also it can, it can yield huge results. Right. Um, and take, take Harry Potter, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. That was the first time, other than in Las Vegas, that you were involved in, that theme parks actually really wanted to make an immersive environment where you go in and you are in that place. You did it with Venetian, but but outside of Vegas, you, there was nothing. There was nothing like that in the theme park world. It was just kind of half-assed. And then Harry Potter comes in. It's a whole, whole new. It's a whole world. yeah, whole environment. And, and I think it's just transporting you into a different space. Um, it, it, and that's the whole experience. That's why you. That's why people buy the ticket. You know, that's why they they fork out the money to go. That's the first time I ever saw that. The first time I ever saw that people basically like the environment more than just like, oh, hey, they got a great ride, or you know, uh, it shows really good. It it was they kind of you know um, the ride was not the big thing. It was it was the environment which made everyone just go, what is going on? Including Disney, who is now you know um, definitely jumped into both feet with the with Star Wars. So. Yeah, so one of the other guys. Do you know? Do you know Vic Dupenthaler? Well, you, you... Uh, no, I oh, don't. Okay, he's not, you know that doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Well, he, um, he he's uh, you'll have to watch it on one of the Bop episodes. You watch his episode. Uh, really good friend of mine helped helped uh, he helped. Uh, well, I we helped each other work on uh, in Hong Kong. We worked at uh, the Ocean Park place. Uh, that's where I first met him, and he's a boat builder. Uh, shipbuilder, yeah. Oh, yeah, wait that, a minute. I know him. Yeah, I maybe know. you do. Is he Hong Kong? Is he a Hong Kong based guy? Well, he's uh, he actually been in China. He, you know, he he uh, he now has Hong Kong investors that that own part of the company. It's called One World, and um, he made the Millennium Falcon and and uh, all that stuff for Disney. You know, so he was uh, it was all a big secret thing happening here here in China. But uh, uh, but but you know, but I I got to, I signed a form so I wouldn't tell anybody, and now it's out so I can talk about it. But uh, it was it was that was really cool. And Vic is a is a, a great guy. I'm not sure even why I brought that up, but it's it it is an immersive environment, you know, and the work and the time and the energy that was put into that so that people could go live that. that's another thing that's in our dna that whole star wars thing i mean i you know i'm sure you you i, I was what 16 17 you know and i drove my mustang my 1965 mustang to the theater and sat in the thing and 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 watch the first Star Wars episode, and, and 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 you know, and it was what a wonderful thing to go out and get into my Mustang and and tear out of the uh, tear out of the parking lot after a show like that, you know, and it's just things that set the world on edge. And that's kind of the, the next question for you, John. Where are we headed? What do you, where what do you think we're gonna do? You know, I mean, I, I you know that's a tough question, and you kind of answered it already in terms of blending screens and environments and actors and stuff. <clears throat> is that the future? Is that where we're headed? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, 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 I don't um, subscribe too much to, you know, one medium being like the end all. Like everyone's going to have VR glasses and walk around like, like that. I think that we are naturally 
Uh, humans are social. We have we have a real hard time with this COVID thing because we're naturally social animals. We like to you know gather, um, and uh, we so so I think there'll always be there'll always be room for places to gather and come come together uh, to to do things. Um, so the individual experience is nice, but we just have this innate sense to you know be together. And I do think that it is mixing of, of different uh, you know uh, things to be able to create just more immersion uh, to be able to get you into now. Yeah, say well, someday someone's going to come up with uh, you know a plug that goes into your head or a pill, and then you can go on your trip, and then that's it. Game over for all of us. But uh, up until that point, yeah, um, we do. I, we're, we're just going to try to send, we're, we're going to use all the technology and things available to us. To be able to uh, simulate that. Uh, well, you still got, we're still going to have to make the lobby that you go into before you go and get your head plugged in. So, <laughs> so, so we'll, you know, at least, at least there'll be some work for us. So, <laughs> that's cool. Okay. What sort of mistakes have you seen in, you know, in our industry? Yeah, my, my big pet peeve really is not so much a uh, mistake, but I, I, I think that our industry uh, copycats so much. That, uh, boys, you know, a simulator ride is really, you know, successful over there, so we're going to do a simulator, we're going to do a simulator, we're going to do a simulator ride, and then just kind of, Kill it. kind of fall back on, kind of be, it's a little lazy to, yeah. to just do what the other guy has done. And that's a real tendency in, in our uh, industry. Um, particularly for um, you know the attractions that the can't uh, put in the research and development that it is needed. But that doesn't mean you can't be interesting about it. You don't have to spend a lot of money to do something that uh, is unique to, to, to people. So um, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but I just think it, it could be a little bit lazy to be able to just kind of do a duplication of what somebody else uh, has done when you have all of the uh, uh, you know, abilities to be able to offer something that's a little bit interesting. And it doesn't have to be a big, a big, big giant change. It can just be um, you know, a, a, little, a little change, just something to make it um, uh, good. The other thing that um, I think is, is always a mistake that we always have to be careful of is um, don't get too caught up in the big, uh, big giant stuff. Still, even with this big show, you know, the large spectacular thing, um, it's some of the little things that everybody responds to. It has always blown me away that that the, 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 the thing the child remembers after all of this whiz bang stuff that we throw at them, you know, in the theme park and everything, is the costume character that came up and shook his hand. Uh, or her hand, and, and they, that's that's what it infuses in their brain. It drives me crazy when, um, uh, because I keep thinking, of, you know, what can I do to have this happen where we do a big spectacular and we're using projection on the, uh, you know, on the, on the you know, the, the cast floor or the, the icon, and we're using lasers and we're using all of the stuff and everything, and then a, a piece of two cent pyro goes up and goes, and everybody goes, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we just gotta like be, you know, keep our heads around what really, you know, 
what, what works and what doesn't and that we're really like in the entertainment business and we are right up there with the guy who um uh, you know, well, see, and you, you've, you've always been on the leading cutting edge. So, so I, I, I kind of expect these comments from you because you, I mean, you've been in this creative adventure for years and years, you know, and, and, and people think, you know, how, how do you always come up with new stuff? But I think it, it, it is, it's something that people like you aren't afraid of. You, you know, you're always going to come up with something new. You know, that's why you can go out and do the adventures and you can have the, the quote unquote failures because, you know, you'll get up tomorrow and come up with something new and cool. And and that's the that's why people hire you. That's why it's wonderful that you exist on the planet with us and you have this 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 great company that you can get out and share this stuff. So my encouragement to any of you, any of you developers out there, you know, hire guys like John. And, and you're complaining about other people copycatting, but it's because the other people don't have that ability. <laughs> you know, they can't get up tomorrow morning and come up with a new, cool, amazing idea. It's difficult. So so they're going to get on the bandwagon and stuff. So I understand it because I, 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 I don't like to do things twice myself. That's a little bit of, I had the same kind of... Un, un, unrested problem of you know that's why we don't have normal jobs because we'd have to be doing the same thing and like you said you, I could do this I could do that I could do that in this field we actually get to do all that you know we get to you know like an actor he gets to live a new life every year or two years he makes a movie he becomes a character and he becomes whatever that is for that that short lifetime, then he gets a new lifetime and the new the new character. We we get to yeah. have that same refresh thing. That's something that we you know by this time we've done something that's kind of like it, but not exactly like the next time. And that's uh, that's what makes yeah. it wonderful for me. Amazing surprises that happen and things that you would find traditional. Like um, it, I love being blown away. The first time I saw a circus show, I'm like, it's a circus. It's a circus. What can you do with the yeah. circus? And then you go. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. it, 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 it is, you know, those types of things that just, you know, not knock, knock you out. And uh, that's, yeah, I love that kind of thing. And, and some of it, again, is it's simple. Um, and, and never discount the fact that, uh, you know, a little bit of humor, you know, a little bit of, you know, uh, quirkiness that's against a big giant backdrop of wonderfulness is, is, goes a long way. Yeah, that's what makes it the jewels in there, the little the little jewels that happen. My suggestion is you know, it's the same thing that a lot of people probably say is um, like Woody Allen said, and when to paraphrase this, basically showing up is you know fifty percent of the <laughs> is um, uh, the ones I've seen go places and uh, do things and grow up in the business uh, were in interns or they connected themselves with him. Somebody who would insist on connecting themselves with you, Bob, you know, would learn tremendous amounts, get so much experience and everything. And I've heard stories of uh, people, um, you know, I, I, I harken back to the story, this may be an urban myth, but Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy uh, is a producer, produced some of the greatest movies of all time, worked with Steven Spielberg. The rumor is, is that she offered herself for free to just be his assistant. I'll just hang with you for a year, and then you can hire me if you want. But she was, she was there. She was there. So was, you know, she got all this experience and everything. So to younger people, I'm just like, don't just sit and wish that you could be there. Take a shitty job 
but be there, be in the middle of it, because that's when someone's going to look around and go, you, yeah. come help me. <laughs> yeah, it, and, it, yeah, it really is. It, and it, it really is. It's, it's, that, it's that same truth in life. You know, I mean, show up, show up, be there, you, you know, and, yeah. and it, even if it's not really what you were expecting, you find out sooner. If you're there doing it, you know, so you just go, go immerse yourself in it and take the next step. And then you'll get a newer viewpoint of, you know, what's over the horizon because you'll be closer. So uh, what's going on? I I was a costume character in SeaWorld. You know, I'm shaking hands and sweating. (laughs) I was as tall as I am now, but weighed a hundred pounds less, less than that uh, because, you know, I'm sweating my butt off. But in between gigs, I found out that SeaWorld was hiring Hollywood writers to write shows for like a sea lion show or something like that. And I noticed that the writers just didn't understand that these are sea lions. They don't really take cues. They, they're like dogs. They're like, oh, I love you. you know? Yeah. Um, so I submitted uh, a script and um, they didn't take it. But then I submitted another script and then me and a couple other people submitted another script. And they finally took it. And that show was as good, if not a little bit better, than what they were paying the Hollywood guys for. The next thing you know, I'm writing shows for people. So it, it was, but it's because I was there, and I'm in there, you know, sweating, and I'm in between things, and I hear them, you know, stressing over something, and I was there. I never would have found out about it. I would never really known it. Was a possibility. I wasn't there. That's all. Be there. That's perfect advice. Perfect, exact, wonderful advice. And. Let's sum it up there, John. Thanks so much for taking the time with me. Uh, always a pleasure. Let's do it again sometime. And I can't wait to go see the Bourne thing. I think that'll be that that will be awesome. I'm not sure when I'm going to get back to the states or when they're going to let us fly around again. But but uh, I'll I'll look for 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 you know images of that and stuff. I'm sure somebody will put something out on YouTube pretty quick. Oh, it's already up. I mean, day one. Yeah. All the things up there. It's like that's the only thing is that when you first it doesn't. Whether it's a test audience or whatever, as soon as it's up, it's it's out. It's just out there. I mean, they're excited. They're happy. So well, that happens. Uh, Well, thank you very much. I look forward to uh, watching all of Abbas's and uh, getting uh, getting caught up. Thank you for letting me be a part. Well, I'll send you a free T-shirt. Um, I'm doing t-shirts with it that say the Bob's born on purpose thing. So I'll get you a t-shirt for, for, uh, so that, so, uh, that, and then, um, you know, that's it for pretty much the show. Thanks so much for happening, happening with us, John. Uh, always a pleasure. And we'll, I hope to get to see you in China here soon. Okay, man. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Everybody. Bye. <laughs> we need no strike that I need your help.